Wow, that was a powerful video. Before we begin the message, and just to kind of let that soak in for a moment, I want to take a moment just to tell you about a couple of ways that our ministry is changing during this season. First of all, I know a lot of you are part of Bible studies or small groups or uh, that sort of thing during the week, and then you're not able to meet anymore. Uh, I'd like to invite you to be a part of one that's online uh, on Wednesdays, Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. and then Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We're going to gather on Skype uh, to worship, to study the scriptures together, to pray together. Um, it'll be a way that we can stay connected. It won't be like we're used to it, but uh, it will be a way that's that's real, that we can stay in real touch with each other. So if you're interested in that, then please uh, take a take a moment just to, to follow the link on our charge website uh, down at the bottom. There's a calendar link, uh, and you follow that to Wednesday, and you'll see uh, a button on there where you can, you can follow it and be a part of that group. Um, <clears throat> also, I'll tell you that uh, if you were part of a small group or a Sunday school class or something like that, I encourage you to stay connected with your group. If you'd like to start your own uh, and you need help with the technology or figuring things out, uh, please just call the charge office and we'll be glad to help you uh, work through that. Uh, just just reach out to us. We want folks to stay connected uh, any way possible. Also, we have a call team set up who are, who are reaching out to everyone who's a part of our church family that, that we have their information for. So we're going to be calling folks. So we, you can expect someone to call you maybe. Uh, or maybe you're part of that call team. I just want to thank those who are doing that. Because staying, staying connected is important. Uh, to make, that's what keeps us as a family. Visitations aren't going to be going on because we have to stay at such a distance. But we can call one another and we can stay in touch in that way. Uh, as, you, as we join together here for worship, I want to remind you of our children's ministry. There's a new resource there that's available uh, on our website. If you go to the, the, the worship tab, uh, on our website, scroll down, you'll see a way that, to engage our kids to engage in worship together. Uh, it's a YouTube video, but it's 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 a live stream of a of a children's ministry produced by LifeChurch.tv, and it's a, it's a great resource. Uh, you can watch it as often as you want, but it'll be updated every week. So uh, just as a way to connect to our kids during this season. And finally, I just want to say, uh, I ask you. To continue to give. I know that many of you probably may not be able to give because you're laid off from work or what have you, but uh, just to know that that there's still ministry going on, that things are still being done, the office is still up and running, uh, our ministries are still happening, and even some are expanding, uh, albeit in a different format, but, but yes, uh, things are still happening. We ask you to continue to give, to support your church. Uh, we've known you to be a generous church. Uh, there are directions here on the website about how you can do that uh, under the Give tab. Uh, I really hope that you'll take this opportunity just to, to be a part of what God is doing. Uh, if you'd like to take part in this online ministry, please reach out and let me know. Uh, there's lots of things that can be done. Right now, we're, trying to, we're kind of figuring them out as we go, and uh, things will change, and I hope and pray they'll get better as we go along. But uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, then please let me know, all right? So... Back to our text for today. As you can see from the video that we just watched a minute ago, today's text brings us to Jesus' suffering. He's still before Pilate, of course, but along the way, as he's there, he's going to suffer one indignity after another. For Christians, these are difficult images to take in, right? These are, these are hard to see. I remember the first time I saw The Passion of the Christ when it, was, when it came out many years ago. Actually, I went to a theater to watch it. Uh, I, I wish I hadn't. Right? 
because it wasn't entertainment. It wasn't entertaining at all. They were, they were killing my Lord. That's the way I felt. And that's what, how I feel when I read these passages that we have before us today. That's, that's the truth that Pilate missed last week when he asked, what is the truth? That Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth about God's love for us. And it was about to be on full display for all to see, and Pilate was actually going to play a big part in it. But something about Pilate, there's something about Pilate that, that makes him easy to hate, doesn't it? I mean, there's something about him. I mean, think about it. How many people do you know named Pilate? <laughs> I bet none. There's something about him that makes him easy to hate. And what I believe is that we find in him that makes him so easy to hate is what I'm ashamed to admit is something that, that we don't want to admit that we see in ourselves. Well, let me explain that. That's what we're talking about today. Let me explain. I was watching the news yesterday, and there was a report of some senators who had, uh, on the Senate Intelligence Committee, when they heard about the, the coronavirus, they sold several million dollars worth of stock and investments. Back in January, they did this. Now, I don't know all the details, and I'm sure that, you know, I only know part of the story, but the reporter didn't know all the details either. But the reporters were full of outrage. How could they do such a thing, they were asking. And I have to say, I mean, I'll be honest, that I was taken aback a little bit. Even though I'm somewhat skeptical about what we see on the news these days, I was taken back. And then I realized, that's just what we do. We watch out for number one. We take care of me and mommy. I mean, we see that all over the news these days, where, where people are fighting over bottled water, where people act out of their minds to get toilet paper out of the grocery store. See, it's in seasons like this where stress and anxieties and difficulties come up that our tendency to watch out for ourselves above all others becomes very clear to everybody around. And that's what we see in today's text. What I see is a reflection of what we see going on in our culture. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, what I see going on in my own heart. But before we get into it too far, let's pray. Okay, join me. God, I ask that as we're gathered here in this place across the internet, uh, Lord, in a different way to worship you, I ask that you would speak to us plainly. Show us, show us more about ourselves. Teach us about you, God, and show us about your relationship with us. We're here for you today, Lord. Amen. So if you have your Bible in front of you, I would ask that you would open it to John chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible near you, you can certainly use the one on the right hand of this uh, of this video. Uh, there's a, a Bible tab there. It's, it's connected to the YouVersion app of the Bible. And I, it's a Bible that I use on my telephone all the time. And, and if you haven't downloaded it to your phone, I would really encourage you to do this. It's a fantastic little resource. It has reading plans and, and all sorts of resources that are in there. A, a prayer app. That are, that's there. It's all kinds of stuff that, that just to, to help you in your, in your relationship with Jesus grow. Uh, if you have uh, kids, then the version kids version is there, and it's, it's, uh, it's a fantastic app. It has the Bible illustrated in videos and, and all sorts of things. It's a great little tool to, to engage kids in the Bible. Uh, you can download that as well, but, but that's not what we're talking about today. 
John chapter 19. Actually, we're going to start in chapter 18 today. We finished last week with Moses, with Moses, with Pilate's words, what is the truth, right? And after this, he went out again, the scriptures say. I believe I have them here on the screen. Yes. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But this is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising, the scripture tells us. So what's going on here? It all begins. Pilate announces Jesus' innocence for the first time. And he'll go on to do it again and again. Pilate, you see, had heard the people cheer for Jesus when he arrived into Jerusalem. He thought that if, if he could give them a choice between Jesus, who they knew was good and a healer and a great teacher and, and all those things, and, and a man that everybody knew was guilty, then the choice would be obvious. But no, it wasn't so. Some translations call Barabbas a, a robber. But a better word for it is a bandit, an outlaw. Right? That's who Barabbas was. One who caused trouble for everybody. For the Romans, for the Jews. Everyone knew that this guy was no good. He was no good. He was Muggsy Bogues. He was Chapo. He was coronavirus. Not good for anybody. And yet, he was their choice. He was their choice. Other accounts of this, this story tell us that it was the, the chief priests and the leaders of the, of the temple who riled up the people to choose Barabbas over Jesus. And that makes sense. But, but here we do see the people doing what they know isn't right, regardless of who inspired them, right? They were doing what they knew wasn't right. This isn't the first time in this passage we're going to look at today where we see this very thing going on. And it's been a reality since the beginning of time. Genesis 6-5 tells us, The Lord observed the extent of the human wickedness on the earth. He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. That's been our hearts since the very beginning, the scriptures tell us. That we've always sought sin. We've always been self-interested. Chapter 19 continues the story. Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. Pilate wants to satisfy the people. He doesn't really care, I don't think, one way or the other about Jesus at this point. He's just doing his job. Just doing his job. So he has Jesus flogged. Now, flogging wasn't a casual punishment. The Jews would only allow them, them to, themselves to flog one another for 40 lashes, but not the Romans. The Romans would use this up to the very edge of death. And if he died, really, so be it, right? This allows us to see the, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, 
who were no friend of the Jews, take their anger out for the people on the back of Jesus. They see him. They beat him. They spit on him. They crown him. They dress him. They punch him as the king of the Jews. They had nothing personal against Jesus, but their anger was at what he represented, the Jewish people. You see in this, Jesus is taking the beating for the Jews, for the priests, for the elders. Jesus was taking their punishment, just as the prophets had foretold years and years earlier. And when they finished, they brought Jesus out, presented him to the people as a beaten and bloody mess. Nothing special, obviously frail and weak, just a man, Pilate announces. As if to say, is this the one you're worried about? Is this the one you think is going to be a problem? This is the one you can't handle? This pathetic, weak man? Pilate hoped that they'd be satisfied. But they weren't. John 19, 6 and 7 says, When they saw him, the leading priests and the temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, By our law, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. Instead of being turned to compassion at the beaten man, the crowds just got angrier. When I was in elementary school, I remember there was a kid, and unfortunately I don't remember his, his name, but he got picked on a lot. And when he did, I never remember anyone coming in and calling us out. I never remember anyone telling us to stop. Why is that? Why is it that we so often, when we see something wrong, when we see something going not the right way, we don't step in and stop it? Now, when we see it in others, we hate it now. Right? When we see it, we, we hate what they're doing, but we don't do anything about it until after the fact. Pilate begins to, to separate himself, you see, from what's going on. He says, it's, it's, like, it's like he sees a fight and he's going to just walk by and pretend like he didn't see it. Pilate says, y'all do what you want. I find him innocent. I've beaten him already for, for nothing. Wasn't that enough? They remind us the whole reason for Jesus being crucified in their response, because he claims to be God. That's what this was all about. I suppose maybe, too, they were using these words, he claims to be the son of God, to, to, to rile Pilate as a, as a Roman, hoping that he would be offended for, on Caesar's account, because Caesar, for the Romans, was considered the son of God. It had an impact on Pilate for sure. As we continue in verse 8, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you, confuse, do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize that I have power either to free you or to crucify you? What was the source of this fear that he had? Sure, part of it, I'm sure, was the fact that, that he was thinking how Jesus might be offending Caesar. 
But I believe even more to it than that because, see, because Pilate did not found the crime, right? I believe Matthew's account of this story sheds a little more light on it, right? Matthew's account of the trial where, where his wife came and talked to him. In Matthew 27, 19, Pilate was sitting at the judge's seat and his wife sent him this message. She said, don't have anything to do with that innocent man for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Pilate, you see, is getting stressed. The people that he's, he's charged with ruling and keeping under control, they're, they're pulling him one way. His wife is pulling him another way. What does Jesus say to help him resolve this? Well, not much. Not much. But that was just what the prophecies had foretold. That Jesus would stand silent before those who would kill him. That the Messiah would not speak to defend himself. It's clear that Pilate wants out. But Jesus won't let him off the hook. You see, Pilate has a task before him that he wants no part of. You see, he lacks the courage to stand up to the crowd. <coughs> he claims to have the power of life and death over Jesus. But without courage, that authority, that power, they, come, they only turn into tools to self-preservation. Pilate claims to have the power of life and death over Jesus. But without courage, power and authority are just tools for self-preservation. And to him, Jesus responds, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you is of greater sin. Pilate, Pilate is, is frustrated here, I'm sure. Jesus tells him that, that this power you have, this power, in air quotes, right, that you have been given isn't really power at all. You're just playing a part that's been given to you by God. Jesus goes on to say that the one who is of greater sin than even you, Pilate, and I believe he's referring to Caiaphas, the chief priest who had stirred up the people, who led the people astray, that he had committed a worse sin. The one who had denied to see the truth from the very beginning. When Jesus healed, when Jesus performed miracles, when he taught in the synagogue, all along the way, Caiaphas and the other leaders could have seen God at work. But instead, they chose their position. They chose their power and to protect it. You see, they feared losing their status, their leadership in the temple. But does that mean that Pilate wasn't guilty? Absolutely not. Pilate, you see, had seen the right, had known the right thing to do, but he had failed to do it. And that is a sin. It's a sin when I do it. It's a sin when you do it. We're all responsible for our own actions. We can't say, well, somebody made me do it. The fact is, I knew better, and I chose not to do it. The truth. I chose not to do what was true. How did Pilate react to this revelation that Jesus, is, that Jesus actually had authority? Verse 12 and 13. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which is in Aramaic is Gabbatha. 
who the Jews again try to make this about Caesar. But Pilate knows their problem is that Jesus has shown them up. He's performed the miracles. He's taught truths that, that moved people, and the leaders don't like that. That's what this has all been about, and Pilate knows it. So like any politician, wanting to leverage his authority, his power in the situation, he makes things official. He goes and seat, sits, sits down in the official seat of judgment, right? I mean, if he's going to set Jesus free, he's going to do it from a position of authority. And that was where that authority rested. And that's where we find the conclusion of this passage in verses 14 through 16. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they replied. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified, and they took him away. Pilate presents the Messiah on, during Passover, and he's received to be crucified, to be slaughtered like a Passover lamb. I find this to be the most ironic true part of this whole spectacle. Immediately after Jesus is presented as the Messiah, the Jewish leaders reject the Messiah. And with that rejection, they reject God as their king. As they proclaim, we have no king but Caesar. I wonder how many of them, after they said those words, they thought, they had that thought, oh no, what have we just done? Right? Like, I, I often have that. When I say something at home and, and I know I shouldn't have said it, I always say, oh, what did I just say? Why did, it's like foot in mouth, but this is even worse. It's as if in that moment they'd taken the side of Pharaoh. They joined the Canaanites, the Philistines, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, everybody who stood against the, the work of God across, in, across the centuries. In that moment, they joined, they locked arms with them. The Jewish leaders had turned against God. And just in that moment, what we read in John chapter 1 had become clear. Verse 11 where he says, He came, Jesus came, to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He came to his own people, but his own people wouldn't receive him. That's the reality of this whole passage. My hope is that many of them in that moment, felt the sting of conviction. That's what I always want for myself, to feel that. When I sin, I want to be convicted right away. I don't want to continue in sin. I want, I want the Holy Spirit to convict me immediately when, I, when I, I'm doing something that I know to be wrong. Even when I'm doing something that I didn't know was wrong, I want God to convict me. Pilate was. Even he washed his hands, right? We read that in one of the other gospel accounts. He knew this wasn't right. He went along with it to appease those he ruled politically. How sad is that? That he wouldn't stand up for the truth. How sad is that when I've been guilty of it, when you've been guilty of it? But that doesn't have to be our story. Pilate's story doesn't have to be our story because God isn't finished. 
You see, in just a few hours, Jesus is going to be nailed to a cross. And from that cross, he's going to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Forgive them. That's what we find through Jesus' death on the cross. Forgiveness. When you know you're forgiven for things that even knowingly did, that changes your heart. I shared before that that I came to Christ when I was convicted of the way that I treated or maybe mistreated my wife. I loved her, sure. At least I thought I did. But my love for her wasn't enough to change me. It was only when I realized I had been forgiven by God that my heart began to change, that my behavior, that I began to change. See, it was Jesus' love for me, in spite of me, that changed my heart. And it still changes my heart. It was the fact that Jesus endured all this suffering and forgave me, even though I fall short. There's forgiveness. That's where it is. You say, well, does that mean I can live any way I want and be forgiven? His love won't let you. His love won't let you. When you understand that you can't out sin his forgiveness, it changes our heart. We can no longer continue in sin because I no longer want to sin. My heart is turned from sin to him. I no longer want to do what I know is not right. I no longer want to watch out only for myself. When I, when I see people suffering, when we see people being bullied, when we see people being taken advantage of, the spirit alive in us moves us to step in. To no longer just walk on by, but to step in to the situation. God moves us to do something about the brokenness in the world. I'm excited. I'm actually excited about the future of God's church, about the future of our nation. You see, because I believe that God is doing something in this, what we're experiencing right now. Yes, this is a, a rough time in our world. I'm not denying that. But God is up to something here. God, in this season of our lives, God is raising up new disciples. God is, God is sending out his church into the world to be a, a light in the darkness, to serve their communities. God is, God is bringing families together. This is an exciting time. God is up to something. And it might take us a while to see what exactly he was doing, but God is on the move. God is on the move today just like he has been forever. So let's look for ways to be a part of it, not ways that we can avoid it. Not just to look out for me and mine, like Pilate did, like the Pharisees did, but instead choose to look out for one another. If that's you, if you want to be a part of what God is doing, if you, and I invite you to pray with me as we, as we pray that God would show you needs all around you, that God would show you how you're gifted, how you've been blessed in order to be a blessing to others. That's the reality of it, that he has given to you so that you can be an instrument of goodness in the world. I want to pray for you because you, I want us to live that out, that we are a city on a hill, that we are a light to the darkness. If that's you, join me in prayer this morning. Or right now, as we're watching, it might not be morning anymore. Let's pray. God, for your disciples who are gathered here around this screen and around this word and around this worship, Lord, I ask that you would inspire us, God, that you would show us again the needs that are right around us. Show us again, God, how you have gifted us, how you've blessed us, 
how rich we are in you that we might be a blessing to others. God, how you're being alive in us is moving us to love one another, to serve one another, to reach out and to help. Move us, Lord. Move us now, Lord. Take what we have and use it for others. That we wouldn't hoard, but we would share. God, you're doing something in us, and I'm excited, God, about what, what that's going to mean for our future. For all your disciples who are gathered right now in this moment, Lord, we pray this for you. If you find yourself watching this on the screen today and, and you're thinking, you know, I'm tired of doing what's just in my best interest. I'm tired of doing the wrong thing, knowing the right thing. I'm tired of watching out just for me. I want you to know that there's another way to live. I want you to know that this other way to live, it starts when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when he becomes the Lord of our life, when, when we proclaim that there's no other king but King Jesus for me. Ask him to rule your, in your life. Ask him to change your heart. That's what Jesus does in times like this. He enters into people's lives and he changes things. I want to pray for you. If you want to get that started today, send me a message on the, an email, a pray for me. Uh, that I want to pray for you as you begin this walk with Jesus. Lord, I ask you now that as folks are gathered around their computer screens in all different places, Lord, I ask that now you would you would hear their prayer, that they're, they want to know that something is real, that something is true, that something is, is not going to change, that's not going to be broken, that's not going to fail them. Lord, it's you. It's you and your son Jesus. God, I ask you to, to meet them right where they are. Confirm in their spirit, Lord, that this is true. God, as they pray our simple prayer of surrender this morning or today, God, hear them, Lord, that, Lord, I need you. I need you to live. God, I'm sorry for the ways that I've fallen short. I'm sorry for all the things that I've done that were in my best interest alone. God, I'm sorry for all the times where I, I knew the right thing to do, but I chose not to do it intentionally. Lord, forgive me for all of that. Thank you for for giving me a new life. God, for making all things new, for removing my sin from me as far as the east is from the west, for setting me on a, tr on a true path, a path of light, a path of life, and life in its fullness. Thank you for new life, God, and I, I give my life back to you. Use me in your world. Use me, God. Put me to work for your kingdom, for your fame. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for joining me for worship today. I encourage you, if you would, as we gather, as we're gathered right now for worship, uh, we send each other out every week with a benediction that is the same week in and week out. And it's it'll be here on your screen, I believe. But but I invite you to join me as we as we send each other into the world in the midst of coronavirus, COVID-19. Join me. Life is much more than an accident. Wherever I go, I believe that God needs me there. Wherever I am, I trust that God has put me there. He has a purpose for me being there. Christ, alive in me, wants to do something through me, no matter where I am. I believe this, and I go in his grace and his love and his power. Amen, amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.